Hi, and welcome to Thank God for Therapy, where we discuss theology, therapy, and trauma recovery. My name is Crystal Britt, and I'm an ACSW in the state of California, acquiring my clinical hours. I interview people and individuals who have experience within religious communities, specifically the evangelical Christian community, and are seeking assistance with therapy and exploring their spirituality and deconstruction. John McDonald joins me again in this episode where we talk about deconstruction. Deconstruction, for those of us who were raised in the evangelical Christian community, recognize this as something that can be pretty divisive within Christian circles and in some cases can even get you ostracized from a church or a Christian community. But the questions that you start asking are often the first unravelings, the first threads that are pulled in the unraveling of deconstruction. And so we talk about what deconstruction looks like and then what it looks like to reconstruct and what that means for individual people. I hope you enjoy this conversation that we had together, and I would really love to hear your input if you want to shoot me an email, hello at crystalbrit.com, and if you would rate, review, and subscribe to us, we would greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much. Crystal Britt. Yes. Did you want to recreate the, <laughs> the, lost, podcast, the lost podcast? Or, um, um, I, th- I, think, I think there will be things that will tie into this. Um, but I wanted to talk about something that I've experienced this week on social media that's really irritated me. Oh, no. Um, I know. It's really surprising that social media would irritate anybody. Yeah. Was that not getting enough likes? It wasn't getting enough comments <laughs> and engagement. Um, no. So one of the things that I do to like work on in, like engagement and like building a community with like other religious trauma therapists and other people going through like deconstruction mm-hmm. that have dedicated like a social media space for that is using hashtags. Right. But then when I go and I look up right now, there is very much a um, I started using one of the hashtags that I was like my go to was progressive Christianity. Mm. I can no longer use that hashtag for reference because the first hashtags that always come up like as the most used or the most even in the most recent Mm -hmm. are people who are shaming progressive Christianity and demonizing progressive Christianity as and deconstruction. So I wanted to talk to you about. As a pastor, how like what is your experience around the label of deconstruction, around the idea of progressive Christianity, and how like the greater evangelical church is like dealing with that or not dealing with it? Okay, just just real light just stuff. Real light stuff. <laughs> real cool. Easy. I want to talk real about easy light stuff. I wanted to talk about recipes. I want to talk about uh, puppies and potty training, but that's fine. <laughs> we can talk about that. Uh, okay, so uh, broadly speaking, in general. Uh, the deconstruction is one of those words that is really helpful for a season and then it got co-opted by a bunch of different people. Yeah. And so now it can be used in a very positive spiritual growth sense. Mm-hmm. It can be used as a buzzword. It can be, be uh, used as, in a pejorative sense by people who are critical and, and feel attacked by people who claim to what, cling to what they feel is an orthodox faith and seeing people walk away uh, and the powerlessness that comes with that. So it's, it's a real broad term in there, so maybe we could start with what we mean by it. That's and, a great idea. Um, and um, do you want to have? Have you thought more about this? You want to start? Or you want me to? Oh yeah, no, of, I can start. Oh, okay. um, so well, it's really interesting is that I feel like when I like in uh, like a callback to one of our previous episodes where we talked about my experience at my first college that I went to. Mm-hmm. The I feel like it started. I feel like it's been a movement throughout. And like, I don't know, you can speak more toward this because you're older than I am. Um, not to throw you in. Significantly, significantly older. You could be my grandfather. I um, <laughs> um, No, but like when, when I came to discover like kind of splits off of like 
traditional evangelical church. It was called the Emergent Church. It yes. was Don Miller. I'm it that was old too. yeah, I that. Tony Campolo, um, Rob Bell, uh, Rob Bell, Jones, Brian McLaren. Brian McLaren was a big yes, one. right. Um, and it's it was a uh, like Relevant Magazine was doing the thing at the time, right? So. It was very Curiously, much, Mark Driscoll was part of that too, but he was. I know he splintered off, but that's for another podcast. Yeah, that is for another for, for sure. For I could talk about that for a straight hour. Um, but Emergent Church was kind of this thing, especially at the college that I went to first, mm-hmm. the first college I went to, it, where it was like, oh, like the Emergent Church. Yeah, you know, where it was like, oh, like, okay, but they're like they're not really Christians. It's like mm-hmm. part of the Emergent Church, which now in my 30s as opposed to like my early 20s is like the same flavor I get when I hear people, when I hear evangelicals who are not on board with progressive Christianity or deconstruction yeah. where there's like uh, like deconstruction. Like it's it's asking questions that we shouldn't be asking. Right. Or if you're asking those, like deconstruction is asking those questions and coming up with like a worldly answer that like can't even be related in their minds back to Christianity Historic Orthodox faith. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think about when you guys had your driveway redone. There was a, an element of deconstruction where they took away the old asphalt, yeah. hauled it away. Mm-hmm. It was an incredible amount of work. It was a yep. lot of asphalt. And then you got this beautiful brand new cement that mm-hmm. replaced it, and your, and your driveway looks great. And part of the, part of the, the challenge I have with the, with the word deconstruction is if you had said in the moment, like, we're deconstructing our driveway. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, you didn't <laughs> why, talk about why it. Why would you do that? You didn't talk about it in terms yeah. of, you know, that, that that was an important essential step. But the, the end goal was a reconstruction, it was a mm-hmm. rebuilding. It was something the that would be more useful, it. stronger. And, mm-hmm. and it was a asphalt that had cracks in it and was um, not only difficult to look like. I, I feel like now that we're on the other side of your new driveway, I can say that that driveway was difficult to look out. Their roots were poking through. It was it, difficult to drive on. It was, it right? was like problematic to navigate. In, yeah. in a sense of mm-hmm. uh, not only did it not look good, but there were fundamental problems with it yeah. that, that were going to, over time, become really serious issues. And, yeah. and so what was happening, you know, it began, you know, 25 years ago, 20, 25 years ago. Uh, and now, you know, at this point right now is, is, you know, I, I like to think of it as rebuilding and, and the deconstruction is a part of it. And there's, there's a time when, and I, you know, maybe one little caveat I would have is my, my faith is very different as 20, 25 years as I'd hope anybody's is as time goes by. Like I, I hope that's a really good point that, you know, I don't, I still have a deeper belief on the, those same things and have discarded some beliefs. And we could talk maybe at another podcast about some, what some of those are. Cause I think we have plenty to chew on right now. Yeah. But it, the faith I have now is, is stronger. It's more mature mm-hmm. um, and it's more open to, to questioning and um, that I'm more comfortable with the things I don't know now than, than before. So when I think of deconstruction, I, I have seen people delight in the tearing down and mm-hmm. not the rebuilding part. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes it's, a, you know, that's why I used to follow a lot of different uh, post-evangelical, uh, different Instagram accounts that just kind of had a, like, ha, 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 look at these things we used to watch and take care of. And then I just found myself saying, I'd... Just call them out. What are their, what are the handles? <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot. And there, there's a lot of things where I look back on it and think, I remember seeing that or something like that when I was in, in youth group. And that was really weird. And, mm-hmm. and what I was handed was really weird. But I think 
what, well, let me give you a space to comment and then I want to take it in a little bit of a different direction yeah. about why, why I think some of the responses I think is significant. So I'm curious if, so what does it look like when someone is deconstructing and they're not moving past decon mm -hmm. like the deconstruction is the, like, is the, cause I feel like when you enter a space of deconstructing, right? there's a lot that has to be torn down. Right. A lot of internal beliefs, figuring out, then reorienting like, okay, well, what what do I need to tear down to build back up? Mm -hmm. But there can be a lot to tear down. Yeah. And so what does it look like for you as a pastor when you see people get stuck on the deconstructing part? Okay, so here's, the reason why you are drawn to this is because of the trauma that ensues from it. That mm -hmm. there's a particular kind of trauma as people deconstruct, yep. as they ask legitimate questions. Yeah. They, there's a secondary question, which is, uh, do I belong in this community now? Yeah. And what, what, are the, what are the ways that my, my friends who are still part of that church tradition, my, my family members, that former pastors, people that have made a significant investment in mm -hmm. me, they are now, now I'm facing rejection, ostracism. I'm getting kind of condescending DMs for the questions I'm asking. Mm -hmm. um, that, and that, those, those are traumatizing at some right. level, that those mm -hmm. are what is communicated to somebody going through that is your belonging here is contingent yeah. on you checking off these boxes. Right. And once you start de checking off those boxes, now you're in a space where not only do you not belong here anymore, I'm also hearing that you're now in danger of the fires of hell and the yeah. eternal conscious torment and some of those things that go along with it. Um, and so that's traumatizing. And so I think that the first thing I would say is that the reason why it's, you know, every deconstruction journey is different because it really is personal based on what's at stake, what mm -hmm. the community they're coming from. Um, but think about it like this, Crystal Britt. Okay, I'll you, try. Okay, just imagine the situation. <laughs> um, you know, you uh, you have a let's say you have a client, mm -hmm. and your client is talking through parents, mm -hmm. and and they say all the time, they would always tell me they loved me, mm -hmm. but when I m didn't perform in the sport field, they'd yell at me, mm -hmm. and or if I if I got an A minus on a test, then they would send me to my room, and and there's there's this perfectionism, and so on the one hand, they're the words they loved me, and the other hand their love was clearly conditional mm -hmm. on in these other areas of life. Mm -hmm. And that really messed me up. Mm -hmm. And so you would, you know, sit down with those parents and say, yeah, um, tell me about your kid. They're like, we love her. We, we delight in her. Like everything's great about her. Um, and then you would, you know, begin, or maybe the, maybe the client goes to the parents and, and says mm -hmm. like, I know that you love me, but your love always felt conditional. Mm -hmm. Your love always felt like it was um, based on performative mm -hmm. aspects. I think a lot, like churches are supposed to be a place that are that we're connected to one another with unconditional love, which is very present in most churches marketing. You belong here. You belong. You're here. home. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. welcome home. Those yeah. kinds of things. You can wear informal footwear at our church. Yeah. 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 Like we're laid back and you're we come as you are. Come as you are. Right. Like very very come popular. Come in your flip flops. Yeah. Yeah. Um, flip flops your sandals, and shorts, as it were. <laughs> and so if we start with that that outward messaging of you belong, just come as you are. But also hear on there uh, a mocking voice of the, the questions that you're generally asking and wrestling with, that, that there's this sense of, I, I've been walking through this difficult journey. 
uh, with my gay friend coming out to his parents and mm-hmm. hearing that reaction and rejection from the Christian community and really genuinely trying to find God amidst all this. And, and then you go up and you hear a pastor that demonizes that community and you're like, right. this is hard. This isn't, I'm not, this isn't sitting well with me. There's, there's a kind of distance here. And so you ask those questions and find that that question alone means now you're uh, you're progressive. And right, right. You you're are, put into you're this different category. And, and you're making it up as you go along and, and, and you're serving God of your imagination. And, and even so far as saying your empathy is a liability to your faith. Mm. And that is a... If I had my phone, I would write that down. <laughs> well, I'll write it down. I'll write it down on a piece of paper. Yeah, you don't talking. have to. It's it's a, it's now a, a record. It's recorded. I know. But... Um, and, and so the deconstruction really is not fundamentally about, I think some of these, you know, we, we talked about, you know, in our, our uh, G is for Gnosticism, which mm-hmm. I stand by as the greatest name. I changed it. It podcast. was something else. And then when you, after you said that G's and made the Simpsons, ref, Simpsons yeah. reference, yeah. I had to change it. K is for knife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um, so that for me, the deconstruction journey is not even like in the Gnosticism, we talked about how we, the Christian church has been deeply formed and shaped by getting your beliefs right mm-hmm. and having an in, a conflicted relationship with your heart. And most mm-hmm. people that are on a deconstruction or reconstruction journey are trying to reconcile their head and their heart together. And yeah. so in my heart, it it feels unloving, that there's something in here that um, feels disconnected from what I know to be true in my head. And that divorce and that separation and people genuinely, that's why I heard somebody once say, like, those who are them take their faith the most seriously are the ones who end up going through some journey of deconstruction. Mm-hmm. It's those who have a largely superficial relationship with their faith that walk away the easiest, but those mm-hmm. who are trying to find God amidst these conflicting feelings and um, thoughts and things that just don't make sense to us, uh, that that journey is triggered by a genuine desire to know God mm-hmm. and, and to be integrated in that, in that knowledge. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure it triggered a thousand things in there. So what do you, Um, Yeah, so many things. I mean, I think that it's, I like the idea because I think that is what most people who are deconstructing are attempting to do Mm -hmm. is to tear down Mm -hmm. and then reconstruct something else. Right. And we talk a lot like I feel like there's a lot of information and a lot of resources about how to deconstruct. It's the reconstruction of, okay, what then what am I, what is my foundation? Mm-hmm. Right. And then also how do I, how can I find community within spaces that are not going to, how do I find community within alternative spaces that are not, not necessarily churches, right? Cause like Ben and I did our, all of our like deconstruction, reconstruction mm-hmm. within restoration and within the community of a church. But that, I feel like that space is very far and few between. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. And that's, that's too bad, but there's, you know, there's a lot of insecurity. There's, there's nothing like pointing to something that everybody knows. It's the emperor. No, it's like the emperor that knows no, the emperor wearing no clothes. Mm -hmm. It's a person who points out and says the emperor's naked. That gets the crowd most strongly against them. Like we know we need to hold this illusion together. Right. Um, You know, eternal conscious torment is really disconnected from Jesus and, and, the, and God. Like I, don't, I can't reconcile that. And like that is like, well, if you don't believe that God tortures people forever because of this holiness and the sense of justice that's so separate from ours. And if you don't embrace that, then you, you may as well deny the resurrection. Like that, that kind of thinking is really right. problematic. Um, but it goes back to the how easily 
things begin to unravel once you pull out a piece that that is mm-hmm. not part of historic Christianity anyway. So it's mm-hmm. it tells me there's something else going on. There's an anxiety mm-hmm. in these systems. There's a insecurity in these systems. There's an impulse not to point to and name some of those things in there. But there's also this. This is going to take us on a little bit of a different tack. So you can, you can bring us it. back if you want to. But no, it's good. Um, the thing about the title "progressive Christian" is that a lot of times the adjective and the noun switch places. That that we emphasize the progressive part at the expense of the Christian part. Mm. And I think a community needs both. I think there there's if you think about what is the um, a progressive thinks the best days are ahead and a and a and a conservative thinks the best days are behind us. Mm-hmm. And there's sometimes when we need to reclaim things in the past mm-hmm. and we need to look backwards. And, mm-hmm. and there's sometimes we need to, to move forward and go beyond. I think a healthy community is able to tolerate both together and valuing what each bring to the table and in and, and conversation and challenge each other. So like, am I a progressive Christian? I, probably in some ways, some people mm-hmm. want to label that, but I've been labeled both Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with, with great yes. passion and yeah. great conviction. I've, yes, been, with I've great received conviction, both, both labels. And, yeah. and I think that that is an important part of community to hold those together. And so there's, you know, sometimes the progressives Christian goes too far. They need mm-hmm. somebody to say, hey, well, let's 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 rein that back in. Let's mm-hmm. let's let's bring that into the community. And and there's a push and pull. I mean, I, I, I feel the same way about American politics. Like we need conservative mm-hmm. progressives to work together for the best of the country. And we don't see that anywhere in, in the world, which is why I think, you know, in some ways you're given a binary choice. Do you're going to go to the conservative church or the progressive church? It's like, mm-hmm. well, I feel like if I go to one that accepts that label, then, you know, it's like you have to take the whole platform and mm-hmm. I, there's some things about each platform that I don't, I don't like. There has to be an, another space to inhabit. That's not a middle space, but that's a higher space that doesn't follow these rules and, and a, and a community that is able to, to be held together by something other than where, you know, whether you are a fundamentalist fundamentalist or a liberal fundamentalist, that there's something deeper that holds the community together beyond these binaries. Do you feel like um, the, and the question that I asked earlier, I'm just going to go back to you really quickly because it relates, but when someone is deconstructing and can't move past that, do you feel like that is when someone has swung the pendulum to completely the other side of like progressive Christianity is because like, also I'm thinking too, like the term progressive versus regressive, right? The Mm -hmm. antonym progressive implies almost this um like at least when i hear it like this uh, tone of condescension right of like well i'm like the one who's like the higher self and part of, and maybe people are like that's not but in general like i'm wondering if that's part of like the distasteful yeah. yep. like part of what it gives the distaste to it at like traditional evangelical churches um that's frowned upon but i'm wondering if that's what it looks like when someone gets stuck in deconstruction as mm-hmm. opposed to moving through that yeah and going to reconstruction. Yeah, I mean, the way I put it pithily is there's a lot of fundamentalists that never deconstruct fundamentalism. So they move from being conservative mm. fundamentalist to liberal part fundamentalist and never realize that they're still operating out of the same playbook. Mm. And so some of the most dismissive, arrogant people are progressives. Yeah. And, and, and you know, they're they're different and the people they advocate for are marginalized. So that, you know, that's at least a pro to them. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, labeling, dismiss, labeling and dismissing people is the problem. It's right. not, it's not about which people should be labeled and dismiss. It's how can we find a better way than identifying one group 
you know, those MAGA Trump wearing hats. Those are the problem in this country. If we can just get them in line or, or push them to the side, then we'll be fine. It's like, well, that's, I know that playbook. That's mm. their playbook. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't become the monster, a bigger monster to kill the smaller monster. Do you feel like that's part of also like the, the, like uh, dehumanization component mm-hmm. of yep. it? That's yep. like part of, like can be part of both yep. the issues of both. I heard, I heard somebody sides. say, uh, and I really have been thinking a lot about this. Trump is the wrong answer to the right question. Mm. And when you presume that somebody's asking the right question, and even even if you know we're gonna we're really getting in. We're gonna piss so many people. This is on the. This if we, is all, if we this had is on 12, the this is just between you and me, if right? We had, if we had twelve <laughs> listeners, we're gonna have like yeah, three six. next week. Yeah, so. yeah, and. Uh, yeah, and they're in the in the so, so it goes. But it holds people. it holds the middle space. Yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and you and I come from different perspectives on a lot yeah. of things. I mean, I think that's part of our our friendship is saying like, you and I have significant differences on a lot of issues, mm-hmm. and but we what we have in common is greater than that. So we can have yeah. these kinds of conversations where even some of the stuff I'm saying, you're like, I want to push against that. That's that's fine. I mean, right. I think that's what a a healthy community looks mm-hmm. like can tolerate disagreements on the big on the little things yeah um, it's just a matter of identifying them as the little things the bigger thing being what we have in common in Christ and and so that's what you know when I think of deconstruction I think of people generally trying to, to engage their faith in ways that are faithful to who they are mm-hmm. um, and I'm really if anybody's like well John you said at several points that you just feel something's wrong what does the Bible say about feelings? It's like, well, is the Bible downplay feelings any more than the mind? Like, is yeah. like our hearts to pray, but our minds are pristine? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. I think yeah. that, you know, some of the, the people have done the greatest evil in, in human history are also the smartest. Yeah. Like there's, there's nothing about right. having a, a, a smart brain or even thinking the right things that, um, you know, I was just this morning reading John 3 into John 4. And in John 3, you have Nicodemus coming at night, the religious leader. And then John 4, the marginalized woman at the, at the woman at the well. Mm-hmm. And you have in there, John wants you to see the contrast, the the religious leader who's mm. a man who comes at night versus the Samaritan woman yeah. who never get, is given a name, but comes in the middle of the day and responds positively to Christ. Like the, It's it's not about the knowledge. It's just about how to respond to, to God's love in Jesus. And mm-hmm. um, that's the fundamental that we should hold to. And mm-hmm. that can, that, that, creates a big space for us to tolerate each other. Yeah. And I think it creates a big space to, uh, for like to humanize each other, to make the table bigger than maybe we would want to. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and also holding, I feel like part of therapy is like holding the open hand of like, I can disagree with you right. vehemently. Right. And I can also sit next to you and have conversations with you that are going to be hard and maybe awkward and I can hold both of those with an open hand and be receptive mm-hmm. to what comes next. And through that, the personal benefit to me is that I get to work through my anger and my yes. frustrations yep, and my exactly. trauma, not necessarily with that other person, but within the right channels. But when that comes up, like it's almost like reopening a wound to clean it, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, oh, okay, like this is clearly a thing for me. Gross, Instead of taking on. it Continue. out. Yeah, disgusting, but <laughs> so what, should I talk about pus now? <laughs> yes. um, but like going, like having that person, you know, uh, push on a topic that is very, like I didn't know, but now I know is very sensitive to me, very close to me mm-hmm. and very traumatic. Then I can take that to a different space to process it yes. in a way that is much more healthy than lashing out or, you know, uh, completely um, overgeneral, like uh, overgeneralizing and dismissing an entire right. group of people. Right, 
Yeah, it's like there there are certain people that make me really angry. Yeah. Part of before I can Who, have a conversation <laughs> before I can have a conversation with them, I have to first give my anger a name mm-hmm. and and wrestle with it. And and depersonalize it. Right. Mm-hmm. Say I this is so I'm um didn't want to do this, but I'm going to say Enneagram. I'm an Enneagram nine. Oh God. I, I know John, John. you nines. So I, I'm wired. No, it's not the nines. It's the progressive Christianity of it all. Oh, I know. It's so, I it's just, too I ironic. just outed myself. It's as too a, ironic. Like I read the Enneagram. Sorry. Um, oh. And so, you know, the nines are peacemakers so that I, I do not like. So the people that make me the most uncomfortable are those who come in as loud disruptors. Yeah. And I have to, when I see somebody functioning in that way, interdynamically, and I find myself getting angry, pulling away from them, I have to first name my response to understand I'm doing this because of I am, I like peace and harmony. Mm-hmm. I, I don't like people that are disruptive. So once I kind of name those things and identify what is what is happening inside of me, Am I resp- part of what I'm responding to, I need to help this person by naming that because what they're trying to accomplish is completely undermined by how they're trying to accomplish it. But before mm-hmm. I can have that conversation, the way Jesus talks about it, I need to take the log out of my own eye, recognize that, repent of that, get get free of that, so that I can come and, and help that person in, mm-hmm. in a way that's not no longer personal. Mm-hmm. And it's really it's hard to do, but it's why you want to be part of a diverse community. You know, it's yeah. one, one of the one of the things about being married is at some point your spouse becomes like a mirror, mm-hmm. and and you know I find I found myself saying, "You make me so mad." Mm. And I'm going to say, that's absurd. That's a stupid thing to say. You make me mad. You, mm-hmm. How does one make somebody else mad? It's identifying what's being provoked in me and dealing with that um, so that we can be in a healthy relationship. And I think churches have really low thresholds for, for tolerating people that don't kind of toe the party line mm. and, and embracing them. And the damage that comes from being ostracized, condescended to, sat down, confronted, um, take things off your Instagram, like to call those things out yeah. all under the guise of, of something that has eternal stakes. Right, right, right. Does, doesn't create a lot of, it's suffocating for people that are asking some really important legitimate questions. Mm-hmm. And so it creates a, a climate where people come to church, they smile, they nod, they clap and, and then they go back to the car and be like, eh, something. That this felt weird. That was weird. Yeah. Was disconnected from the rest of my life. It's, I guess, my my spirituality then is just this compartment that kind of sits over here, take it off the shelf on Sunday, and then never integrates into the rest of my life. That's so interesting. Like that's I don't like I'm trying to figure out like what you would call that instead. And also well, what's the clinical term for that? Uh, compartmentalization. Yeah. It's it's like being able to like So they call putting something in compartment compartmentalization. In a compartment, compartmentalization. Uh-huh. Yeah. How I mean creative. it's it's the it's the thing of like having a one part of your life that's not integrated. Mm-hmm. I mean, what I want to say, we really call that is trauma. Oh, really? Well, because it, trauma sits alone in your brain as like a standalone event mm-hmm. and like a standalone thing that's not integrated into the rest of your brain, right? It's like that's why when you're triggered and you exp- like if you have PTSD or like right. a um, like a flashback to an event. So when you when you when you're triggered, it's when the cage door opens and it and it comes out. Yeah, and or or rather, your brain travels to that specific part in your brain and mm-hmm. is stuck there for a minute. Mm-hmm. Right, is stuck there for a period of time because it's not integrated and related to the rest of your brain, like logical reasoning, all of those things, which is ironic, because I feel like in a lot of 
evangelical churches, like that is part of what makes people deconstruct yeah. is that the yep. logic and reason starts to come into their space mm-hmm. of, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense. And can we talk about this? And mm-hmm. the idea is like, no, if you talk about that, you're not part of this group anymore. You need to get out. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Next, that's a conditional love. Yeah. Next on my to read list is um, Cultish. Have you heard? Have you heard of this book? No. It's a sociology book written by a sociologist. Oh, really? Um, her. I want to say her name is Amanda Montel, but the last time I mentioned an author on this podcast, it was the wrong author. Okay. So, um, it's the the cult of fanaticism, and it's uh, it's about cults, but it's also about like tribes and the idea of um, creating our own groups of people and keeping yes. other people out. Oh my so gosh! So I would love to. That would be fascinating because mm-hmm. I can I can already imagine that a lot of those things. I mean, we have friends that have been in camping ministry, and once you kind of go through camps and think like, wait a minute, we are oh, can taking we do a them, whole podcast on camps? We're taking them up and down an emotional roller coaster. They're sleep deprived. They're in a new environment. They're in a new environment. Well, and then let's They're talk about like together. we've got to do an episode not only on camps, but then like a separate episode on the impact of teenagers yeah. and retreats. And and just to just to to not let that hang without resolving in some sense. Like I'm not saying that that is a cult, like we're not a cult when we do those things. We just need to recognize that there's, it, this is also how people are manipulated. So don't be surprised when they go back to their environment that they go back to totally. how things were before. And we can, and and we, can revi- we can revisit this at, uh, at another time, but it's also the thing of like, I feel like well-intentioned people go into a space mm-hmm. and they're like, Oh man, this like wouldn't this be a great element to add in? Mm-hmm. And then, like thirty years later, people go, "Oh no, like that's the same thing that like cults use as a." But it's like not in it with an ill will intent. It's the stumbled upon, and then yeah. no one says, "Hey, this is weird." Yeah. Uh, over the course of those thirty years. Can I end up with a story? Yeah, absolutely, please. So there's a man walking on a dangerous path, and mm-hmm. uh, he's a. Uh, well, actually, let me back it up. Jesus is once asked. What do I have to do to, to inherit eternal life? And, mm-hmm. and Jesus says, "Well, what are the commands? How do you read them?" And he goes through them, and uh, and no, no, sorry, that's that's not story. This says, is how I tell a story. He says, <laughs> he says, "What is the greatest command?" Jesus says, "What do you think it is?" Mm-hmm. And the man says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and love your neighbors yourself." Mm-hmm. Jesus says, "Good answer," and turns and walks away. And he grabs him and says, "Who's my neighbor?" So he tells a story mm-hmm. of a Samaritan. And mm-hmm. you, so you know the story. So you know the the priest, the Levi, all those who function in men, bloodline, mm-hmm. in a significant role, mm-hmm. perfect theology, that don't want to get blood because of these religious mm-hmm. things, versus a Samaritan who comes and helps. And then asks at the end of the story, which is the one who, who loved the neighbor, um, who, who was, a, sorry, I'm butchering it. Anyway. You're fine. This is the point. Jesus doesn't care. Just, just like, ow, John. <laughs> you nailed uh, it. The who was more neighborly? I think he, I think he mm-hmm. turns neighbor into a verb, and he says the one who helped because he can't say Samaritan. And in that story, a Samaritans worshipped on the wrong hill, in the wrong temple, mm-hmm. had polluted bloodline, mm-hmm. and they. Jesus is pressing this man. You really think that all that matters is love? Let me tell you a story where the only thing this guy got right was he was loving. Are you sure you actually believe that Mm. love is most important? And I think most church institutions, if you really press, pass people on the other side because they don't want to get unclean. Mm. And that the reminder is, and and especially if you're deconstructing, get love right. Get Mm. get the love right. And and that is, uh, I'm preaching on Sunday, where Jesus says, behold, my brothers and sisters are the ones who do God's will. Like, mm. If you're going to focus on something in deconstruction, get the love part right, 
and know that and have have the confidence that Jesus himself said that that is the most important thing. And he told a story mm-hmm. where two characters got everything right except for the love part. Mm-hmm. And one person got everything wrong except for the love part. And he said that is what it means to to honor God, to love, love your neighbor and to love God. Uh, and I don't mean to plug your own institution, but if anybody listening also would like to hear that message... Restoration also has a podcast um, that goes up when on Mondays. Uh, typically, the sermons. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I just go up on Mondays. Monday. If it goes up on Tuesday, I didn't love it. If it goes up on Wednesday, I was iffy about it. If it doesn't go up at all, then then I scrapped it. Then I yeah. scrapped it. Um, if you're looking for, if you find yourself in a deconstructing space and you're looking for somewhere that kind of sits in that middle space, Restoration does a really good job of that. And I think your sermons do a really good job of of challenging people on either side and holding yeah. that middle ground. And, I, and I would say too, you can you can reach out to me if if you find a space just looking for resources. Mm-hmm. Um, even set up a Zoom call to talk specifically about deconstruction and, and just to listen and, and help maybe give some guidance. I'd, I'd be happy to, to do that as well. And you can email me at hello at crystalbrit.com if you want to get in touch with John to ask more questions or to connect. Okay. Thanks, John. So forward it. Thank you, Crystal. You guys, I really appreciate you taking the time to listen and to engage in this community that we're building. If you would do me a favor and go to our Instagram at thank God for therapy pod and just tag a couple of friends in some of the posts that are poignant to you, I would really appreciate it. We love building community here and building this just sense of like you're not alone and that there are other people, even pastors and therapists who are in this with you. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time.